Richard Corliss of Time Magazine called this movie a wildly original roller coaster ride of hilarious mischief. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times called it a meditation on the myths in our movies. While Dessen Thompson of the Washington Post called its sequel a devilishly, hysterically, cacklingly, subversively funny picture that builds and builds until it literally self-destructs. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of gremlins. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to Ruined Childhoods. This is Dan. Hope everyone's doing well today. Hey, it's me, John. I hope that you're doing better than well today. I hope you're doing extra special well today. Oh, that swell. Swell. Sp- special well. Special swell. well, that's what swell is. Swell is, yeah, absolutely. Uh, tell you what, I'm doing pretty swell because I'm excited to talk about the Gremlins movie franchise with you dan likewise john i've been looking forward to this all week it is it is friday and um a long week for us both yeah i was in different ways (laughs) knocked on my patootie sick pretty bad but i am back in it we're good and um i i feel like i've also been bombarded with messages from people talking, wanting to talk about the Bill and Ted three video that went out. Oh yeah, seriously. But you're saying that you're saying that you've been pretty, pretty busy this week. What's been going on? Oh, just, you know, work. And, um, so as, as I've said previously on the pod, um, I, teach language arts to freshmen in the Seattle area and our big the kind of crux of the year is the argument writing unit it's kind of the one that is most universally you know like this is what we really want you to come away with the skills involved are skills that kids will need in in real life and one of the things that they talk about most is how school doesn't teach them relevant real life skills so <laughs> i'm i'm telling them you know we're doing this unit and and it's i feel like my classroom is once to, I, next year i really want to turn it into like the like the Washington Post room of all the president's men gotcha. and minus the cigarette smoke but right um, so I would, I so, like, I really, they, they're doing all these argumentative papers and their prompts are big prompts. They're, uh, one of them is they have to write about what they believe a defining issue of their generation will be, um, mm-hmm. as their generation is facing, uh, quite a, quite a bit. And another prompt was, cause I hear them complaining all the time about school and I'm like, okay, if they want to complain about school, let them do it in an argument mm-hmm. paper. So it was what do schools need to do to better prepare students for life after high school? Right. So 
I have been reading draft after draft after draft about how climate change is going to bring about um, an end to a habitable planet for us within relatively a short period of time in, in terms of the history of the world. But um, so reading about that, reading about uh, depression, rates so of depression. It, so it hasn't been a fun week for you, aside from the well, fact that my... you've been playing the Ben Bradley character in uh, your own version of the Washington Post. And I have been robardsing it up. All due respect to Tom Hanks, but uh, I, I've been... And <laughs> minus... uh, Oh, who was the other one who did was him recently? Uh, Alfred Molina? Did Alfred Molina play Ben Bradley? Now I want to look this up. Uh, yes, please do. I was not aware of this. Which movie was the front runner? You know, while you're... Alfred Molina as Ben ba- as Ben Bradley. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that. The yet, Jason Reitman but... film, who we talked about and... in the last episode. Jason Reitman, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but speaking of speaking of Tom Hanks and other movie, I guess adaptation sure. news. We've seen some more images. We've seen actually, I think, first images from the actual film where Tom Hanks is playing Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Won't You Be My Neighbor? Well, no, this one isn't. Is this this one's not being called Won't You Be My Neighbor? That was the doc. Oh, that was the documentary. Then this this one is called A Beautiful Day in the. I'm pretty sure it has something to do with The Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Yeah. Ah, yes. Okay. Neighbor is in there somewhere. It's going to be a line from the song. So pick your so, pick your line. I I don't know much about I don't know much about the film and but I do know that as far as the perfect person it's aside from the fact that Tom Hanks is pretty much as universally beloved as um as Mr. Rogers. Right. But, I I I I know Tom Hanks is a. Bit I of a, I you know you, I think that I think that because he was so universally beloved, I went through a phase in my teens where I was like, no, no Tom. You were Hanks. very anti Hanks, and yes. then I came around on him big time. I don't know what yeah. it was. It was just like, okay, no, we're cool, and I get it. You really are that great. There, there was a bit. There was, there was a period of time where it was, it was a bit much, a bit heavy on the Hanks. Um, <laughs> I personally felt Castaway was kind of the the shark jumping of that, but yeah. Um, so Tom, but anyway, Tom Hanks, but looks in these pictures, pretty. It's a little close. eerie. It's a little eerie. Yeah, it's like it's it's is it Rami Malek, Freddie Mercury. Similar Val Kilmer, Jim Morrison. Huh. I, it's like I have to see more minus, than just one picture. The, yeah. Yeah. Minus, I guess, all the debauchery. Right. All of it. So, um, yeah, we've got that. We've got, uh, I mean, Keanu Reeves uh, and um, Alex Winter posted a video at like the Hollywood Bowl. And uh, I don't know if it was just me, but I thought they looked a lot like the good robot Bill and Ted's. Uh, they kind of have transformed a little bit into the good robot Bill and Ted's and um, 
just very enthusiastic. And it's, you know, that was, I think, the thing that got people to be like, okay, this actually is happening. Um, is it just me or, I'm sorry, is it just me or like when you see, when I see pictures of Keanu Reeves nowadays, especially in like a lot of those Bill and Ted's pictures, he looked, it look, it's almost like he's the actual Doctor Strange. It looks like he has just come from another dimension and he has created the portals and he's just arrived there and he's always got that look on his face. Like I've seen things, I've seen dimensional things that you could not comprehend. Yeah, I mean, he just finished John Wick 3, so maybe he's just had to be the, like, stoic hitman, you know, action guy the whole time, and he just, like, needed to just, he needs to just relax all of his muscles, and that's, it be, that's Ted. Wouldn't it be funny, though, if he started, if... If like we meet up with Ted and he is like a badass mercenary killer or something like totally He's opposite. Like, Sorry, I forgot to write those songs. I was busy being a hitman. Like, remember that military academy? Yeah, uh, I ex- I checked it out and things stuck. Turns out I'm much better at, at shooting people than playing the guitar. So I don't know. So there's uh, some other interesting reboot news that, Dan, I don't know if you know about this, but did you know that they're rebooting the Toxic Avenger? No, this is news to me. (laughs) Yeah. um, I guess Lloyd Kaufman, who runs Troma Pictures, or Troma Films, Troma Pictures, anyway, uh, he brought on Macon Blair, uh, who did Green Room, and I don't feel at home in this world anymore to do the new Toxic Avenger reboot. This is like pretty fresh information, so who knows what'll happen. But um, anybody who has seen the Toxic Avenger movies, or maybe you remember the children's cartoon, The Toxic Crusader, that was based on this property. But uh, it's completely bananas and i can't wait to see what they do to bring this back you know i'll be honest i've never seen toxic really? avenger I any mean, of the toxic oh yeah um sorry um yeah i've never <laughs> seen it i uh, i accidentally i thought i might have just hung up on you <laughs> oh no no we're good it's it's absolutely crazy um and it's just, it's kind of like gross out humor, um, very low budget action schlock. Um, yeah. But I'm curious to see what, what, what they do with it now. Um, there's also this Jay and Silent Bob reboot that's going on. I don't even know exactly what the deal is with that. Are they, are they doing, like, are they, are they, um, are they raising funds for that? I, I don't know. Are they crowdsourcing? I've just been hearing a lot of things about the fact that there is a Jay and Silent Bob reboot, but uh, I haven't really had the opportunity to investigate fully. I know that that's kind of what our you, job here. Well, but what do you, th- what do you, I, I guess, what are you, what are your feelings about that? Because I, I, I did hear about the Jay and Silent Bob reboot and I'm, I'm curious and, and I, I feel like at some point we do need to devote an episode to, 
to perhaps the Askewniverse of Kevin Smith's yeah. films. Well, what's interesting is that, so I don't know exactly what this is rebooting it. Is it a Jay and Silent Bob strike back continuation? Is it just falling back up with them? Because it, this is just being called Jay and Silent Bob reboot. So, which is interesting because I feel like when you reboot something, when you like in a reboot, you would have you'd have new actors in the you're, roles, yeah, which you're, you're not really going to do with Jay, Jay and Silent Bob. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I, think I guess unless be, you did young, like, the, like have them as kids. I don't know. Yeah. So I really don't know. Uh, so, okay, here's the storyline. According to IMDb, Jane Silent Bob returned to Hollywood to stop a reboot of Bluntman and Chronic movie from getting made. So is it just that the, the movie is called Reboot? It sounds like the plot of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which I loved Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. That's a fun it's, movie that I still watch occasionally. But it's, yeah, it's I really, don't know. <laughs> it'll be really interesting just knowing the things that like Kevin Smith has kind of been going through in his like personal life and things like that ever since True. the last time we really saw a really like Kevin Smithy Kevin Smith movie. Um, I mean, what he's would that have been? Clerks two or probably maybe not even really, but you know, since then he did Red State and um, oh, did you see Red did he State? Do Tusk. He did Tusk. Did yeah? But did you see Red State? Uh, I really like yes. Red State. Yeah, it's good. So he's been doing yeah. like, I don't know, more. I don't. I don't know if I'd say serious stuff, but stuff outside of the like Jay and Silent Bob world. Yoga hosers. He did oh, cop yeah. out. That's right. Oh, but yeah, I remember <laughs> he was pissed about that. He did Zach and Mary make a porno. To... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, but yeah, Clerks 2, I guess, would have been the last thing that was like super Kevin Smithy. But um, Which I liked. But you know what? We've been talking about non-Gremlins <laughs> things for way too long. Yes. We have to, we must, we must talk Gremlins. Uh, yeah. So let's, let's go back. So but actually, before we talk about the movie, I want to, uh-huh. I, I want to take a slight tangent because, so <laughs> Gremlins... Gremlins was released on uh, June June eighth, nineteen eighty four. Yeah, if I, I, yeah. So uh, on the same day as Ghostbusters, so right. uh, best day in movie history. I don't know. Um, best I mean, year if you're in talking, movie history. If you're talking about comedic like science fiction movies, then yeah. No, but in general, though, if you look at 1984, like the cinematic year of 1984, it's so that summer you've got Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Right. You've got Gremlins. So it's also the summer that Steven Spielberg made PG-13 happen. Yeah. (laughs) With Temple of Doom and Gremlins. It was like Gremlins. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So you you had those films. You had Beverly Hills cop later that year not a summer movie um you had the terminator that year the original police academy last starfighter dune yeah. i'm going by memory right now 
<laughs> by the way. But I mean, oh, the Karate Kid. The Karate Kid, I think, came out like a week after Ghostbusters and Gremlins. I, I mean, it's a very memorable year for movies, for sure. Like as far as eight, as far as like the the like eighties classics go. 84 yeah. Amadeus Amadeus best picture 1984 one of my favorite films yeah uh do you remember but, the so, circumstances under which you saw gremlins VHS I I saw yeah I have not seen a gremlins film on the big screen <laughs> okay so um I I'm sure it was VHS. I'm sure it was sometime in like 1985 or it might have even been like HBO, but I'm, it was probably a rental. And I honestly, I don't remember that much about the first time I saw it. Okay. So it, I, and I mean, I've watched it periodically over the years. Mm hmm. And I've always felt like, oh, this is a, this is a, you know, this is a fun movie. It's really good. But I would say what, like watching it most recently, I think was the time I, I, I really enjoyed it the most. Mm-hmm. There were things watching it recently that I, that I either picked up on or, or just came to appreciate really um, much better. Uh huh. And yeah, yeah. I I really, I think it really holds up. I I think it's the the like the scares still. It's got got a great balance of humor and like sweetness. Yeah. And and that like and then like suspense and then just chaos. Yeah, for sure. I. Uh, so it was. Written by Chris Columbus, uh, who is certainly not known for doing movies like this, but I, I think I read somewhere that this was something that he just kind of wrote on, like just to kind of drum up yeah. interest as an example of like, hey, I can write stuff, and then right. Steven Spielberg was like, I want to make this happen, and uh, I think the lore is that he wanted to have some sort of follow up to E.T. and this was kind of like Steven Spielberg's answer to doing a, an E.T. follow-up without actually having E.T. And and it also has, the, the tone is kind of uh, poltergeist-ish, which Steven hmm. Spielberg produced Poltergeist right. in 1982. So there's there's definitely like a poltergeist vibes vibe in, in I think in that like, in the opening of the film for the first, I don't 20 minutes or whatever. It's this, it's really peaceful and the music is really nice. And you've got, I mean like the, the, the bad guy in the movie is the like cranky old rich lady and she's all right. Right. Who just wants to like kill the main character's dog, Billy's dog, Billy's dog. And she doesn't care about the, you know, the, the families who are, who are starving because like the husband got fired, but it's, it's this very kind of like sweet, but there's this underlying tension Uh and there's this, even, I mean, I, even if you haven't seen the movie and you're like, Oh, I know what's coming. 
there's this sense. I mean, Corey Feldman, Corey Feldman mm-hmm. d- wearing the Christmas tree because this is set around Christmas. It was actually yeah. supposed to be released around Christmas, but Warner Brothers didn't have a summer movie to compete with Ghostbusters and Temple of Doom. So oh, they, that's why they released it then. Well, it's funny because now I feel like, you know, like they'll run like, oh, that's when Avengers comes out. We like we'll put a rom-com out that weekend for moms to go watch while they they pop their kids into Avengers. And and that's it. But like then it was like, all right, we we need to compete. We got to put something out there. So um, but Corey Feldman working, I guess his dad is like sells Christmas trees in town and oh, I guess this would be the first of the Chris Columbus Corey Feldman collaborations. What the else second did they do being together? Goonies. Oh, Goonies, right? Of course, Goonies. Chris Columbus wrote wrote Goonies. Um, so it's very sweet, but there's there's definitely this this sense of like something bad well, is going to happen. I mean, yeah. I mean, Joe Dante, who directed Gremlins and Gremlins Two. Uh, which we will get to very soon. Um, mm. I mean, that's it, it's kind of his thing. It's just like absurd, uh, kind of gross, but also sweet and funny. Uh, he just is so good at doing that. And I think that before this, um, he he did Piranha, The Howling. The Howling. Um, mm-hmm. And then after this, he ended up doing Explorers, Inner Space, and... The Burbs, which will be his other collaboration with Corey Feldman. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Gremlins 2, the new batch. Um, but yeah, Joe Dante, I mean, there's like Gremlins is just like so, it's like everything about his style all in one. Um, it, yeah. It's got this 1950s vibe to it, This this kind of... The 1950s, like, B-movie, be like, science fiction, mm-hmm. um, you know, Invasion of the Body Snatchers type vibe to it, or The Blob. Right. Yeah, where, and, you know, the, the local young teenager needs to save the day. And I believe it's actually the same town set as, is it Hill Valley from Back to the Future? It is. Yeah. Yeah, Hill Valley and Kingston Falls are one and the same. Yeah. So... There's a reason why, like they, it just feels familiar, and and I mean, yeah. clearly, I don't know the music. I, the music really sets a great tone. the The music in Gremlins is well, the, really important. That's the something score. I the score that 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 like it it's in my head forever. Well, and it embodies the 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 like joy and chaos that the gremlins have once the gremlins are really unleashed on the city which by the way how similar is that to like the scene in ghostbusters when all the ghosts oh, yeah. like when slimer comes out of the hot dog cart <laughs> right well and i mean in gremlins too i mean then that's in new york city so it's even more so oh yeah um so yeah it's but the music what what is awesome about the music is it doesn't just it's not an abrupt change there's this transition from the calm and they start introducing that in the beginning uh-huh but i just felt like it was it really set the tone for oh this is it like the hill valley 
Well, I also kind of feel like that score almost kind of feels like it could be a, from a Christmas song. Like that if that hadn't been written for Gremlins, you could easily hear that as being the melody of a Christmas song. But I don't know. I think that yeah. that's just one of the things that makes it really work. Um, yeah. So I, I guess let's just quickly go through the plot bullet points. Do you want to take, do you want to take that? Sure. So um, the first character we meet who, who kind of, he narrates, he bookends the film is Rand Peltzer, who is this inventor. He invents all these gadgets, the bathroom buddy and the orange peeler juicer thing. And He's in Chinatown, I assumed in San Francisco, though it's they don't specify. He's in Chinatown and the, he goes into this shop. This kid brings him into this shop and he's he's trying to like get the the old man who's owns a shop to sell his his tchotchkes. Anyway, he hears the singing and he discovers there's this small adorable little creature called a mogwai. And Peltzer needs like, he's like, I have to buy it. I got to get this for my kid. The grandson and the old man's like, no, they're not for sale. No. uh uh-uh. So the guy goes to leave and the kid like steals the Mogwai, sells it to, to Rand Peltzer. And he brings it home and gives it to his son, Billy, for Christmas. Billy is... I guess maybe either late teens, early twenties. Yeah. He's, he's working at the local bank. He's, um, for judge Reinhold. That's right. Plays his obnoxious, uh, kind of manager, not like the head boss, but he's kind of the kiss ass assistant to the regional manager type. Gotcha. So, yeah. So, uh, he's an aspiring artist and cartoonist. He loves to draw. Uh, he has this dog that goes with him everywhere. And he's also being targeted by the Mrs. Deagle, the rich old lady who owns the bank. So he gets the Mogwai, and there's three important rules to obey with the Mogwai. Now, mind you, when they're told the rules no one says all right if you don't follow these rules this is what is going to happen right that would have solved a lot of problems but anyway (laughs) and it's and they actually but they kind of cover that because the old man doesn't tell him the rules the kid does Uh uh-huh so and the kid's just looking to make a buck right so anyway the rules are don't get they hate bright light bright light will kill them so avoid exposing them to bright light don't get them wet and never feed them after midnight. Right. Which, and I think that they go over this in Gremlins 2, all of the weird, like, little questions that arise. Like, what happens if I mean, it's always something midnight stuck in their, somewhere, isn't it? Yeah, or what happens if, someone, if they get something stuck in their teeth and, after, you know. They yeah. Say, yeah, right. So, which I think were, like, things that critics said. <laughs> No, but it really doesn't well, matter. Yeah, and we'll get to Gremlins too shortly. Um, it, but it yeah, really, so, long story short, all of these things happen. Well, so <laughs> first, so all right, the, it, Gizmo gets exposed to bright light. He calls it Gizmo. Gizmo gets exposed to bright light. They figure that out, and then Gizmo, um, voiced by Howie Mandel, 
Of, voiced uh, by Howie Mandel. Yeah. And actually, you know, you know who voiced, who did some of the other voices for the other Mogwai and Gremlins? Uh, Michael Winslow. Michael Winslow yeah. of Police Academy. That's yes. right. So, yeah. So, long story short, Gizmo gets <laughs> gets some water spilled on him, and all of these less adorable, much more mischievous Mogwai pop out. Notably, they, Stripe. They fool Billy into mm-hmm. uh, feeding them after midnight. He is he thinks it's before midnight, and these adorable little Mogwai turn into these tiny reptil these reptilian monsters these yeah. like waist high beasts it always it makes me think of so uh, my daughter is is just about 5 and especially when she was like 2 3 4 and earlier today <laughs> she reminds me of go a mogwai that goes straight from being a cute adorable gizmo to being stripe the leader of the gremlins who's and the gremlins are just their one mission is to create chaos and like <laughs> just like all hell breaks loose yeah so um <laughs> and so the gremlins are are running rampant through Kingston Falls and everybody people are trying to fight them uh the cops have been skeptical about this oh and um do you know who plays one of the cops tell me um a man who actually had a pretty good 1984 Jonathan Banks oh who who most people might know is Hitman Mike from yeah, Breaking, Breaking Bad, Bad. and Better, Better Call Saul mm-hmm. but um also was in Beverly Hills Cop right as as one of the uh, like tough guys, the thugs, yeah, yeah, and he's one of the cops who doesn't oh. believe Billy when Billy's like, "Hey, there's monsters." Um, who does believe him is his neighbor, who's played by uh, recent uh, recently passed Dick Miller, uh-huh. who um, kind of a staple of B movies in the fifties and sixties, and he plays the war veteran neighbor who actually first introduces right. the idea of gremlins and says like. Yeah, like when the planes would go down, it was those gremlins. They they put put gremlins in the planes. Yeah. So, um, so the the gremlins are are terrorizing the town. They're trying to figure out how to stop them, and it's Billy and B- Billy's kind of like love interest, who's a Kate, who's played by Phoebe Cates, who has the best monologue. Oh, in about the death cinema. of her father. Yeah, she the wonderful monologue about the death of her father that is you as an audience member are like am i supposed to like it's kind of it's funny but she plays it so real it's so sad and it it, it's one of those things spielberg actually wanted to take it out of the film but joe dante was like no that's what this movie is yeah it's oh this is funny but it's also really awful yeah yeah so um, the gremlins and they Gizmo is still fine. Gizmo, the original Mogwai, is still fine, and they they team up. They save the day. What am I? What am I forgetting? <laughs> oh, I mean, I think that we could just leave it leave it oh, at that. What I am forgetting though is it's I it's important to note the first gremlin kill in the movie. 
Oh, and is that Billy's mom? Billy's mom not only gets the first gremlin kills, she gets like the first three or four gremlin kills. Yeah. Billy's mom. So like all of a sudden there's these monsters in the kitchen and Billy's mom doesn't necessarily panic. She is like, how can I? She goes into berserker mode. She grabs a knife and then I love she grabs two knives and she's like, come at me, bitches. And like she puts one in the microwave. One of them is in the food processor. Nuked food. There you go. (laughs) Um, So it's. Yeah. Gremlins. Fantastic. But it was like when she walks into the kitchen and, you know, it's like it's really suspenseful. There's some honest moments of like just great suspense in the movie. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, now on to Gremlins 2? And now on to Gremlins 2. And if you listen to our last episode, we gave you the homework of watching Gremlins 2, but first watching the Key and Peel sketch about writing Gremlins 2, in which uh, Jordan Peel, who's... I, the only way I can describe his character is like Hollywood Montrose from Mannequin. You know, this just this flamboyant guy with crazy sunglasses and he comes into the writer's room where they're basically just saying, all right, Gremlins 1, huge success. Here we mm-hmm. are. We're writing Gremlins 2. This is going to be great. It's like a very classic, like Hollywood, like very nice wooden touches everywhere. And here comes this guy and he goes around and he's like, everybody gets to m- make their own gremlin. Make up a gremlin. <laughs> make up a gremlin. So they're just like, I don't know. How about uh, a really smart gremlin who sings New York, New York? Done. It's in the movie. How about a lady gremlin is what the woman writer says. Done. Somebody says electricity gremlin. And he's like, it's just like you're playing Mad Libs. You just say noun and gremlin. And that's it. It's in the movie. Uh, Bat gremlin, uh, vegetable gremlin. Hulk Hogan. Yeah. I don't know. Let's put Hulk Hogan and it breaks the fourth wall. It's in the movie. (laughs) Why not? Yeah. Interesting. I, I feel the responsibility to point out, interestingly, Hulk Hogan in Gremlins 2, if I remember correctly, is is pictured holding the WWF championship belt. Oh, yeah. And, and truth be told, by the time Gremlins 2 was released in June 1990, Hulk Hogan was no longer the WWF Ooh, champion. Uh-oh. That honor belonged to the Ultimate Warrior. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. Different podcast. Anyway, yeah. So, so Gremlins no, two. That, that's about as much as I have on that. All right. So, uh, Gremlins two, the new batch comes out in 1990. Uh, this one was not written by Christopher Columbus because he was, uh, or Chris Columbus. I sh- I should differentiate. Chris Columbus was busy yes. writing a little movie called Home Alone, uh, and becoming oh. crazy, super successful. Uh, little indie project. Little indie flick. The number one movie of the year. Uh, Gremlins 2 came in at like 31. Not too bad, but... Definitely not. I think the the original Gremlins was the number six. Four. Highest. I think it was four. 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 Yeah. So uh, the plot of this one, like we said earlier, it takes place in New York, and it all pretty much takes place in this, uh, this one building that is uh, Clamp Industries, Clamp Incorporated. Clamp, Clamp Tower. I'm Clamp pretty Tower. sure it is Clamp Towers. So Daniel Clamp is modeled after Donald Trump and Ted Turner, mostly yeah. Donald Trump. And the idea at the time 
is like, okay, who is just some sort of super rich buffoon? Donald Trump. Rich, totally out of touch. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, they modeled this character, played by uh, John Glover, after Donald Trump. His name is Daniel Clamp. Uh, Phoebe Cates' character, I'm forgetting, blanking on her name. Kate. Kate. Kate, Kate. works there. And Billy, does he also work there? They both work there. She yeah. is a tour guide and right. he is a, he does something in graphic Like design. advertising or something, marketing or something like that. Marketing. Yeah. He's got that boss that's like really, really, really into him. Yeah. Super redhead, curly haired, um, crazy lady. So. Yes. Uh, I'm trying to remember how. The gremlins even I'm pretty sure she gets this. sexually assaulted by a gremlin at some point. Yes, she definitely does. Um, it's so, implied. You don't see it. It's PG-13. Yeah. So I essentially, the gremlins infiltrate this building. Uh, Gizmo is there. Another, what's up? Well, so it's actually, it's set up in in the beginning uh in so oh so i guess this answers the question that chinatown is in new york because daniel clamp want is trying to buy up all right of chinatown and so he's his um his i guess henchman or like right hand man his fixer his michael cohen yeah um <laughs> robert picardo who's played by robert picardo goes uh, to the old man's shop and cause the old man won't sell. And I, th- and then, uh, they end up like, I think destroying the place or the old man has a heart attack and dies mm-hmm. and gizmo, uh, they find gizmo. And I think it's like, I forget if it's, if it's Robert Picardo's character, if it's like some science guys who are down there, but they find Gizmo and bring him back to the genetics lab in Clamp Tower. Right. Whatever Which I believe, and I do, can't tell you the exact name of it, but I believe it, it. the laboratory is the same laboratory name from Inner Space. Is it? I know it's a joke. I think it's like a jokey, like kind of punny. Yeah, I think that there's just a kind of like a throwaway moment where it shows like a sign of the place and it's the same name of the lab from inner space um huh. which we will talk about nice. in another episode very excitedly <laughs> so <laughs> yes. um so yes in this genetics lab the gremlins get in there and all of these gremlins that we mentioned earlier that they talked about in the key and peel sketch uh come about b- because of uh, you know crossing the genes with vegetables and electricity gets in there somehow and bats and you know you name Bat it dna yeah yeah so um and then the brain the brain serum and oh the brain I serum. Just wanna, the casting christopher lee plays the right. the doctor in charge of the lab and what perfect casting yeah and honestly it's like so gremlins 2 is it's parodying Gremlins, and it's really drawing attention to the criticisms. Uh, so much to that, um, Leonard Malton, who panned Gremlins, has his only ever movie cameo in Gremlins 2. Uh, and in his review for Gremlins 2, in which he gave it three out of four stars, 
indicating that there is a very gratuitous cameo in it, not indicating that it's himself. Um, but also, but Gremlins 1, actually, like, Siskel and Ebert both loved it, uh, but Leonard Malton just, like, hated it. So it's it was awesome that he ended up in the sequel and actually gave it a, a good rating, which he doesn't really give generously uh, all that mm-hmm. often. But uh, it's it's filled with tons of cameos, including... John Aston, uh, the the original Gomez right. Adams from the television show, uh, he he's there as a janitor. There's just so many cameos in this movie. I think that everyone was just like, I think that it'd be a lot of fun to show up in Gremlins too, and I bet yes. they did. I bet they did. Um, so yeah, I mean, Gremlins take over essentially Trump Tower, although although it's not just uh like a a regular building like there's it's a tv station there's in there a, there's everything in there yeah it's just a giant real estate mecca of like everything everything you could want in in one place yeah yeah like a shopping mall and right yeah it's and w- well what's interesting is what happens to the clamp character is is that kind of turnaround it's it's right. like the redemption yeah, what if he and you know to be a good person. Yeah, and essentially it was like okay, this character is going to have is going to have to have this turn because he sees it as a PR moment, as like the person who saved New York essentially. Yeah. So, um yeah. that's where he gets his redemption. Oh, and there's another um I guess uh, another movie reference that ties back to our last episode, Twins. Uh, you know, in in Twins, Arnold Schwarzenegger walks past a Rambo poster and kind of oh yeah makes gives a little wink at it. And in this one, uh, Gizmo takes inspiration from Rambo and emulates him by like putting a bandana on and shooting arrows and stuff like that. So. Uh, by the way, it's funny that you mentioned that you mentioned Rambo. Um, this is a, such a short tangent, but just <laughs> that I was I was looking into upcoming releases and see that in September, I think it's September twentieth. There are two movies slated for release that day. It's the best counter programming ever. It's Rambo Five, which I think is being called Last Blood. Okay, and Downton Abbey, the what? Downton Abbey movie, and. Rambo Five, and I'm just thinking, I'm like, am I the only person in America who kind of wants to see these both equally, and <laughs> that that being a lot? <laughs> like, can I double feature this? <laughs> I, I mean, anyway. yeah, you absolutely can. <laughs> you absolutely can. Anyway, I thought, but yeah, so Rambo, <laughs> back to Gremlins too. Yeah, the yeah. Rambo, sure, machismo. So, yeah, I mean, this movie is so the the first Gremlins is crazy and ridiculous and everything, but Gremlins two just like turns it up way, 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 way higher. It's um, satire. Yeah, it's. I mean, the the brain Gremlin, voiced by Tony Randall, right? I think points it out like perfectly. He kind of calls it out, and he's like about how they're 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 creatures who they're only mission is to create chaos like their two missions are to create chaos and just like take over but he's like it's counterproductive we can't get anything done because we're so chaotic <laughs> yeah um i'm paraphrasing a bit but yeah and it's so it's, smart and fun to do that 
it really it's such a smart script yeah Yeah. i really am a fan of gremlins too and i want to uh give a give a shout out there's a a twitter twitter feed it hasn't been active in um in a couple of weeks, I guess. But uh, I encourage you, if you're a fan of Gremlins or Gremlins 2, to follow the Institute of Gremlins 2 Studies at what? G2 Institute. Huh. And these are tweets that are all... This is... We are analyzing... So let me read you a tweet here from February 26, 2019. The Gremlins usually embody one defining trait. The salad gremlin. The flasher gremlin the electricity gremlin, etc. Relentless devotion to a singular role leads them to be uncoordinated and ineffective, a cartoon, a parody. Is this not like the specialization of academia? <laughs> and and tweet. Wow, that that Twitter account is just made for you. It is <laughs> it's a fantastic Twitter account. Like it if you <laughs> If you love over analysis of things like Gremlins and Gremlins Two, yeah. which I guess yeah, it's perfect for me. So yeah, so I mean, we could talk about Gremlins and Gremlins Two for a few more hours, but why don't we talk a little bit about life beyond Gremlins and Gremlins Two? So interestingly, you should say that recently, uh, end of February, Warner Brothers announced that they were. Um, that they were developing an animated Gremlins series for their upcoming streaming service. Oh, no way. Yeah, way. But um, not only... So so that's in development. There's been talk for years of either a sequel or a reboot. And it's... What I was reading was that Zach Galligan... uh, Mm -hmm. Billy, Billy, was was uh, you know kind of on board as a producer, and he was saying, "Yeah, there's going to be a Gremlins three. It's going to be a sequel to Gremlins two. It will mm-hmm. acknowledge Gremlins two. And but uh, I think Joe Dante has said has gone from his attitude has gone from like no, we're we're kind of done with the Gremlins stuff to there is going to be a reboot of Gremlins, but it's going to be a complete and total reboot. As far as the animated series, the animated series will actually be focusing on the, I think his name is Mr. Wing, uh, the, the, uh, the man who sells the uh, gizmo to Rand Peltzer. And it's going to be Mr. Wing and gizmo and their kind of travels through, through China. Okay. So that's that's what that's what the animated series is supposed to be. I haven't I don't know much about like plot for any of the other supposed projects. I I had read a quote from Joe Dante from a, from a couple of years ago saying that he had a script for Gremlins 2 and it was like going to be really dark and you know bloody. So, but Nothing has come of that. There's no Gremlins 3 in development. There's no, like, Gremlins. I would call it, like, Gremlins Respawn, because you can't do the new batch. They did that. But there's no, like, yeah, nothing in development. Um, 
But I had some thoughts. Let's hear them. What would I do? Um, so my my initial instinct was to go just with kind of like a, a, a total, I would almost call it a remake. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a modern, you know, set in in contemporary, you know, modern day. And kind of based on the premise that, all right, well, Gizmo is this one Mogwai who is with this guy in Chinatown. Who's to say that there are not more Mogwai living in a cave somewhere? Right. So I'm and because I'm thinking they're Mogwai. They would live in caves. They would live away from water. They would live away from from light. I don't know how they would manage the whole eating after midnight thing, honestly. But um but I'm imagining like there's this this Mogwai and what if what if this is in Afghanistan? And what if a a soldier on on a mission in Afghanistan uh comes upon a Mogwai or it something happens and a Mogwai hides in his in his gear and he you know he's he's on the plane. They're going back. He finds the Mogwai. He gives the Mogwai to his his kid, his son, daughter, um, and you have kind of you don't have the the added stakes of of the rules being known, right? But you've got you've kind of got the ingredients to to have this happen and it would kind of accelerate the process of the inevitable of of the mogwai becoming gremlins um not thinking about oh let's let's be careful of the rules like maybe she like they figure out the bright light thing um but i could really see it i could i could really see it taking taking the same route of okay there is this species but having a starting with a new like a, this is a different mogwai and instead of this mogwai being you know kept in a cage in chinatown this mogwai is among his or her other mogwai mm-hmm. and ends up in you know i don't know maybe there's a maybe maybe there's some there's a firefight or something i don't know but anyway the mogwai ends up in in America, and you know what? It could be a city. It could be a small town. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter. Um, and the kid, and you know, this happens, and maybe it gets the attention of a you know a a, a Kate, Kate mm-hmm. or or Billy or <laughs> Corey Feldman, but. Yeah, they, I mean, there's not really any actors from the originals that people are itching to get back on the screen. I would, I you know, I would argue Phoebe Cates. I we haven't seen Phoebe Cates in a while, and I don't know. I mean, I I'm pretty sure she took time off to you know, raise a family. She's married to Kevin Kline. Um, right. Yeah. But but that but that's a while ago, and yeah. I think I. I'd be interested. I mean, Phoebe, you know, and it's interesting. Phoebe Cates almost didn't get cast in this because of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Uh huh. A more adult role. Yeah. Well, she was topless in it, so. Yes. And they were like family movie, but so that's that's kind of that's what I was thinking for a remake. I was thinking you could also you could potentially do a prequel based around this this theory of gremlins being put in like planes during World sure. War Two. Well, and. 
yeah, I mean, World War II is kind of when the whole gremlin thing began. And there was a um, a book written by Roald Dahl for Disney that was supposed to be a book version of a movie that never got made that was Gremlins. And it was all about these little uh, monsters that uh, disassemble planes mid-flight. Um, yeah, so that was kind of the original Gremlins. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you, I, you could do you know, a World War II era Gremlins movie. I think that I, I, I have trouble because um, I don't understand. There's like a logic missing. And it's if they're the same Gremlins that spawned for Mogwai, it could once be. they're Gremlins, they're out of control. Yeah. So it's so, like, yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I definitely thought like, Sure, you could do a reboot or remake and then just kind of erase what we know, you know, about the gremlin stuff. Although it would be really weird to do a gremlins movie without the look of those gremlins because, like, that still holds up. What's but up? yeah, but I don't, but you, you wouldn't necessarily be erasing it. You wouldn't be erasing the other films. You would just, you'd just kind of be starting over and well, saying, but the okay, thing is, well, you know what Mogwai well, are. Well, right, but. Yeah, I mean, because these things already destroyed a building in New York, everybody knows what they are. You know, everyone is going to know. Wasn't there a cover-up? Didn't they? Wasn't? I, th- I think I you're feel right. Like it, it, didn't it end with them coming up with, like, a cover-up story? Like, I think there was something about a gas leak or something like that. Yeah. That's Yeah. I can't remember exactly, but I feel like it was something like that. I don't know. Well, yeah, anyway, I, I mean, but yeah, my 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 one idea would be for a a continuation in the in the Gremlins world, um, and you know what? I feel like it's a little obvious, but Daniel Clamp is president of the United States, and a uh, a foreign adversary. <laughs> His cabinet is all Gremlins. <laughs> I, well, no, a foreign adversary has weaponized Gremlins. <laughs> Hold on a second. I'm sorry, because Kellyanne Conway looks too much like a gremlin. I she can't. does look like the lady gremlin. <laughs> she does, Greta Gremlin. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, I mean, a, a, an adversary has weaponized the gremlins, and Clamp only knows one way to, to take care of it, and he gets he gets Billy and Kate back in the mix. That would I be interesting. Know. I mean... That would have to wait a little bit, or not. I don't know. You know or who not. else? Or you know who? You know who else would would be in it? Oscar Isaac, just because he's wonderful, and I think you should. You have be to in have it. Oscar Isaac. You in gotta it. have Oscar Isaac. Yeah, it's just not. <laughs> but um, did you have any thoughts for who you would? I mean, I don't know that Joe Dante would be directing, but I I had a thought. What's that? And well, James Gunn. Yeah. James now now James Gunn has been incredibly successful with Guardians of the Galaxy, but I'm thinking more in terms of Slither, uh, Super. Well, and also James Gunn got his start on trauma movies. Talking about Toxic Avenger, he did Tromeo and Juliet. Yeah. Uh, he did he yeah he did trauma movies. So I really think James Gunn, 
like a, in, in, in a scenario where he like, he, all right, so he does, he's back on Guardians of the Galaxy 3. He does that and he, he kind of does that like, all right, I kind of want to do a, a fun, One something for different now. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, it's when you're doing a reboot of Gremlins, it's not necessarily a one for me. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I feel like I just don't know enough about uh, directors who would fit into that category, like current directors who would fit into that category. Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright would be fun, too, if he would do it. Yeah. Um, Edgar Wright, who, you know, did- I'm just- I'm, I'm, Hot Fuzz, uh, Shaun of the well, Dead, of the Scott Dead. Pilgrim. Uh, yeah. I'm just trying to, th- I'm thinking of, of directors who have really balanced horror and comedy well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, right now you're not seeing a, a lot of that, although Jordan Peele clearly has an interest in the Gremlins franchise, knows oh, how to knows God. how to make a horror movie, but also clearly... Knows how to make a comedy. And knows about gremlins. Knows his gremlins. Knows, knows his, his way gremlins. around a mogwai. I feel like Jordan Peele right now is kind of, he's got that like Lin-Manuel Miranda status where like he <laughs> could just do no wrong. Pretty much. I haven't seen, I haven't seen us yet. Well, but... it's just, just fresh out right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it looks fantastic. It does look really fantastic. Well, I feel like we've said our piece about Gremlins, um, and I—I I don't know. I—I I don't know. I, there's nothing more that I could really say about it. No, but other—I mean—and the other—the other thing that I would ask for, that I would request regarding Gremlins, is you know, all right, 35th anniversary this year. Let's put it back out into theaters. Sure. I. Why is that not more of a thing? Why is it that in 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 the United Kingdom there's a full theatrical re-release of A Clockwork Orange, and <laughs> it's like unless you live in New York or L.A. and I guess Portland, you have some pretty sure. good opportunities. Yeah, but like I want to like there are things I want to say. I would love to go see Gremlins on the big screen. I would love to go see a double feature of Gremlins and Gremlins Two on mm-hmm. the big screen because I I miss them both in theaters. So that's I would I would really that would be fun. So your so your main idea is a re-release. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Ab- above all, I would just I would love the opportunity to just kind of go see Gremlins in a theater, get some like you know, rem- you know like a four K remaster Gremlins. I totally just remembered something out of nowhere. I uh, when I went to go see. Speaking of. Um, of Edgar Wright, but when I saw Scott Pilgrim, I saw it at the AFI theater in like a, I don't remember, even remember the circumstance under which I saw it, but it was like right before, right as it was coming out or something. And, and, um, uh, Edgar Wright was there and also in attendance was Joe Dante. No kidding. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. That just, huh. just a weird thing that I just remember right now. Anyway. All right, I like the two of those getting together. Yeah, they're they're buds, I guess, or they were at least yeah. at the time. Uh, so, if anybody listening has any thoughts about a Gremlins remake, reboot, sequel, prequel, re-release, <laughs> what are your thoughts? What are your feelings? Yeah, Tell ruined us. childhoods pod at gmail dot com. Write to us. Um, yeah, 
or if you'd like, you can even send like record a voice memo and email that to us and we can play it on the, on the next episode. Um, or any of the other episodes that we've already released. If you have any thoughts, we'd love to hear them. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, our our upcoming episode, our well, our next episode, John. Sure. Well, we did leave out one bit of reboot news uh, yes. to save for the, for the end because our next episode is going to be all about the Masters of the Universe, the He Man movie franchise, and uh, the news is that um, there is going to be a new Masters of the Universe reboot, uh, and they have chosen their He-Man. It is Noah Centineo. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He is in the new Charlie's Angels reboot and was also in the movie To All the Boys I've Loved Before. And um, that that was just new news this week. And um, Very Dan- interesting. This is a... Pro- well, I was going to say, Dan, uh, the Masters of the Universe movie, what year was that out? Was that also 84? 87. 87. Uh, the 87. 87 Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren. I mean, I know we watched that all the time. We saw up. that in the theater. <laughs> we saw That's that awesome. in the theater. I love it. In Palm Springs. Anyway, <laughs> we'll, t- we'll talk <laughs> about that next time. Masters of the Universe is is I'm excited for this because that was that was like that was my toy growing up. Like yeah. I had some GI Joes, I had some Transformers, but like He Man was my jam. Like yeah. that was my thing. So yeah. So what we're gonna probably excited. talk mostly about the '87 Masters of the Universe movie. Um, although as well I, as the animated series, as well as the animated series. Although I have a feeling that um, the this reboot is not going to pay much attention to especially the 87 movie right yeah we'll see yeah yeah and and we'll be chatting all about it next time i'm real i'm really excited that movie is so much fun i am yeah i'm i'm ready to unleash a like nice power of gray skull so i'm gonna save it save it for next time um and then i I, I don't know. Is there? I'm trying to think of a way that we can sign off this episode with like a, a Gremlins thing. Like, all right, don't forget to okay keep them out of the don't light. Forget. So avoid avoid bright lights. Bright lights will kill them. Don't get them wet, and never, no matter what you do, no matter no matter what they tell you to do, never feed them after midnight. the news I'm leaving today I wanna be a part of it New York New York yes sir these vagabond shoes are longing to stray and step around the hall a bit New York New York these guys aren't bad incredible as it might seem ladies and gentlemen after their bizarre, blood-curdling rampage of destruction, these strange creatures now appear to be mounting what seems to be a musical number.